funny if it was just an accident like i just ran across like i just was like scrolling zoom like what Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. meeting am i gonna drop into (laughs) which which one will i try to photobomb today or a porn bomb um any any kind of bomb Mm -hmm. that's i is that how you've been spending your your uh time away from from this podcast yes yeah yeah no but i have been in uh, a couple of 12-step meetings early early on in the pandemic where uh yeah where people were bombing before you know people sort of figured out the security aspect of it and there would be like a meeting with like 73 people and 25 of them were like 14 year old boys just being like fuck you i need a drink (laughs) Pussy. I hope you all get cancer. Like just so bad. <laughs> and and here you're just trying to stay stay yeah, sober, yeah. just trying to get through the day. Yeah. One day truly at a time. Yeah. They're just cracking themselves up. You guys look like fucking alcoholics. <laughs> just like ridiculous. This one woman got very upset that was running the meeting and another person oh. was like, "Listen, we all made prank calls when we were teenagers. This yeah. is that. I mean, it seemed way worse. Like I definitely wanted to smash these kids' fucking heads in with baseball oh, bats. Sure. But of like, course, I'm course, sure that's how people felt when we called and were like, "Fuck you, condoms," or whatever we said to people <laughs> when we prank called them in the '80s. I'm sure we just said, "Fuck condoms. you, condoms." Yeah, condoms. Yeah, condoms. Fuck you, condoms. Yeah. Lori, this is carb face. What? What's carb face? You, you are Lori Willever. If you say so. Who am I? Who am I? Introduce me. Oh, uh, Chris Thornton. I'm, oh, hey, thanks. I'm, I have not gotten better at this in the no, I never four want you years to. that we've been doing Never. This. Don't ever. Don't. Um, and this is, this is a podcast, but we're doing something new with it. Tell me more. Um, because we... I think you and I both kind of had a hard time getting back on the microphones and being like, yeah, it still sucks. Uh, yeah, life is life. still hard. Mm-hmm. Ha ha. Um, uh, the, the, the gallows humor um, as the world falls apart, it just didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't terribly coming. motivating. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, and so we, so we had this idea. You did. Let's be clear. Oh, no, I was referring to myself in the Royal. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we have this idea of what if we watch, because that's all I'm doing now in the evening is watching, watching mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. A cat. A dust mite. A cat. Uh, a light. Um, hairball. Uh, my neighbors that I don't like. My neighbors that I do like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the lights that I'm going to leave on my tree. I got these great LED lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can program that to, them to do ridiculous things. And then I can also have them respond to music. And so I put a speaker outside as well. Um, so that, can I play the final countdown for New Year's Eve? Of course I can. Yeah. Is it going to be a joy and celebration for my neighborhood? Yes. Will it irritate the people that I don't like? God, I hope so. Yeah. You know, but I watch those. But but other than that, I'm also watching my TV, uh, sure. usually with my wife. 
and we're always looking for something to watch. And so I had this idea of what if we watch different cooking shows together or separately, you and you and I. Mm-hmm. Separately. Me and you. Separ- oh, separately, for sure. It's not like a co-watch. Watch party. Don't want to do that, but maybe, maybe we will. You never know. Mm-hmm. We could. There are lots of ways to get others involved and do a watch along. Uh, and, and so we're going to watch different TV shows related to food and cooking. Probably two to three episodes of each series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then talk about it. We're going to talk gonna about it. Chop it, it up. We're going to chit chat about cooking shows and our reactions, what we loved, what we learned, what we didn't learn, what we didn't love, everything, mm-hmm. everything. Mostly, I think it's it's going to be joyful. I don't think we're here to like say, hey, these these shows are trash. I don't really have time for watching things that I know that I'm going to hate in my life. I just I can't right now. Yeah. Um, do I love a good hate watch? Of course. Right now? Not really. Mm-hmm. How about you, Lori? Yeah, I've I've lost my ability to hate watch things. I feel like yeah. I can't like what's the point? Um I used to enjoy it like when I had I don't have cable right now, so that's also like I will say every time I turn my television on, there's some service or something. I don't know what it is, but every time I turn the TV on, the first the thing that comes up and again, I don't have cable, so I don't know where it's coming from, but it is right. always 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 reruns of the hills uh which is the mtv show you know lightly unscripted but totally produced uh show from from the mid 2000s with a bunch of just awful awful just terrible some of the worst people in the world um young people whatever garbage nightmares um yeah 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 it is always on and I am always tempted to hate watch for a few minutes. Um, that's enough. Yeah. That's okay. I'm usually with my kid and he's like, what the fuck is this? And then we put on Phineas and Ferb, Fine. which we've been watching through the entire, uh, that's great. that show. Mm, I got, a, I got some critiques about Phineas and Ferb. Okay. You want to get into that? I mean, do I, I don't know. I'll just say, okay. Uh, if you've seen one episode of Phineas and Ferb, oh, there sure, is sure, no sure. reason to watch even a second episode. They are, well, for all intents and purposes, it's the same thing every single yeah. time, which yeah, I yeah, understand yeah. is a formula that children love. I've started to get real angry. I get real, I'm, I'm angry with Candace, the sister. Uh, Don't you think Candace someday is going to prove to her mom and dad <laughs> that Phineas and Ferb were doing something? They were doing something? Mm. But they were. Well, they were. Are they doing anything wrong? I mean, these are smart, industrious kids. They are so, like, good-natured. I noticed that Phineas never loses his shit except in the movie specials. On the regular episodes, Phineas, like, could not be more good-natured, inclusive, cheerful, Mm -hmm. obedient, and kind, and all the other things that I guess a Boy Scout is supposed to be. Uh, but and then they have these specials, and he a couple times he really loses his shit on Candace as he should, because uh, she's a nightmare. Is that the British one or the triangle? No, head? Uh, that's that's the American one with the triangle head. Ferb is the okay. British brother who speaks almost not at all. Yeah, um, he's great. I love him. Uh, but Phineas is sort of like the leader, uh, and he never loses his shit. Uh, and even though I think that he should, anyway. Uh, 
whatever. It's fine. It's so much more wholesome than the shit that I've been letting my son watch for the last few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we did. You'll take it. We did plow through the first or the, the latest season of Big Mouth. And uh, even I, who have a very high tolerance for all kinds of gross humor, have yeah. found myself being like, this is making me uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe we hit the wall. Yeah. A little rough. Maybe we hit the wall. Um, anyway, so back to the subject at hand, which is not Phineas and Ferb. It's not. We did not watch Phineas and Ferb together. No. It's not a food show. No. It's not a food related show. Is there food on it? Of course. Yeah. Of course there is. Yeah. But it's not a food show. No. We watched the quintessential American food show. Right. We're starting where I, it mostly all began. I'm sure there were some. Were there cooking shows before? I feel like I, I'm not sure. And I, I know that we have listeners who could probably uh, verify oh, yes, this. Please. But, uh, oh, please correct us. I n- please write it and tell us, you know what? Write a big response on Eater about oh, actually, you know, do something like that. Yeah. Like really as get if, into it. I mean, as if we wouldn't both be very happy to get the kind of attention that an eater takedown would oh, provide we'd us. love it. Oh, uh, we'd as love if it. we were important enough. Um, Elazar, Elazar, I'm talking to you. <laughs> Take us down. Uh, destroy us. I'm going to say, us. I think that there were a few shows, but I, I do think that maybe James Beard's show predated this. But okay. anyway, what we watched was the first yeah. episode of the first season of The French Chef with Julia Child from 1963. Can you believe it? Sure. Holy crap. I don't I think I, so what's your what's your experience with Julia Child's cooking show? Did you watch it at all? No, never. Uh oh, really? didn't really know who she was. I think probably the first uh time I knew who she was was when I saw Dan Aykroyd uh lampoon her on Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. And even that was, you know, many years after the fact because I was, you know, because of whatever. We're not we're old but we're not that old. Uh, I didn't really know who she was, and then I guess I didn't care for a very long time. Mm. Uh, and then at some point, when I got into when I went to cooking school and I kind of got into the world of, of professional food, uh, I it became more apparent to me that she was important to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, still, was like, well, that's nice. I don't know. It's somehow I think sometimes when when so many people are into something, I'm like, well. They got it covered. I, if I need to know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, you don't have to jump. I can on. get the basic points, but like, I just, I was just never that interested. I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Never that interested. Got it. So my experience with her was very different. Mm. So I remember watching her all the time mm. when I was little, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember a, a very specific memories of go going over to our family friends grandparents house so everybody our families would get together and then they would they my mom and dad and the the, uh, other couple's parents would drop us off at the grandparents house in another town and so i get together with amy and leslie Worledge and stay at their grandparents house in goshen indiana and we would watch i i think there were marathons even of of her and of of the french chef in later years Right. And so then we would do our imitations of her, but it wasn't like, oh, she has a ridiculous voice. It was more like, oh, she's constantly cooking and teaching. And and, um, so then we would put on our own cooking shows for each other where we would pretend to be her. And you had to do the voice Mm -hmm. because that's part of it. I will not do it today. Uh, But but that was part of it. And 
I th- I think I think she was probably more important to me than I was aware of as a child in getting into cooking and enjoying cooking and being able to understand the step by step of everything. Even though my mom and dad taught me how to cook, I think she got me probably more excited about cooking than I realized. This is so just going back and watching wholesome. this episode. So wholesome. Uh, I don't know. I think whenever you're doing somebody's voice, it's probably not that wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was out of love and excitement. It wasn't out of making fun, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Like, to do a cooking show, you had to have a fun voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's a rule. Yeah. It's a rule. So we got into this. Let me just do a little bit of background from Wikipedia uh, about the French chef. So uh, apparently Julia Child made an appearance in 1962 on a book review show, and she did a demonstration of how to cook an omelet. And that kind of got everybody on board. Uh, WGBH, which is the, the Boston uh, Public Broadcasting Station, to give her her own cooking show or build a cooking show around her. And it had its debut on February 11th, 1963. It was an immediate, immediate success. It ran for 10 years, won Peabody and Emmy awards. Um, so I obviously I wasn't watching that incarnation of the French chef. I think I, I had to, I had to have been watching another mm. uh, one of her cooking shows mm-hmm. later on because I was born in 73. So it, you know, I'm going to say I was born and the show died. Uh, and that's the circle that of life. Right. Yep. That is the circle of life. So that's just a little bit about the TV show uh, as a whole. Let's talk about this episode. Uh, Lori, uh, the episode, what was it about? Uh, the first episode she makes, uh, I think she I think she just calls it a French beef stew or a red wine stew. It's beef beef bourguignon i mean she yeah 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 she throws that out right at the beginning beef bourguignon and saying it and only was that a french accent or was that her accent i mean i guess it was a french accent or yeah i don't know who am i to judge like she had that uh we were discussing this i think before we started recording she had that uh fabled mid-atlantic uh accent that people that sort of that Catherine hepburn judy garland uh you know whatever People of a certain level of, of education and wealth in the United States uh, in the, I don't know, 20s to the 40s were educated yeah. with this sort of absurd, like quasi-British accent. She definitely had it. Uh, but then she had lived in France for a long time, and I think she was, you know, a fluent French speaker. So, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, you notice she said the word sauté, sauté, sauté. Yeah, like she yeah, spoke, yeah. whatever, with her distinctive voice, but there were certain words that she really... She also said tomato, which I was like, come on, do people, I guess people, it just feels, it's so crazy that like, to me, 1963 doesn't seem like that long ago, but actually it's kind of a long fucking time ago. It's so long ago now. It's so long ago. And we are old. Uh, So I'm going to take us through the episode and kind of do the... Here's here's what she did. Here's what happened, and I'll I'll just take it through it. And Laura, you know, chime in. You know I will. All right. So, uh, it starts with S N H green stamps. Mm-hmm. The following program is made possible with the assistance of a grant from S N H green stamps. S N H green stamps. So, Lori, do, do you have any experience with green stamps? No. 
only the 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 books the the books that I would read yeah. as a kid that were already probably 20, 30 years old that would make reference to green stamps. Like maybe the Ramona Quimby books talked about green stamps. Or I, think, the, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, Judy, yeah. Maybe the older Judy Bloom books talked about green stamps. And I was like, I, I don't know what that is. Some kind of a coupon yeah. points system situation. Yep. But I don't really know. What is it? I All forget. Right. So we had a lot of experience with SNH green stamps and it was it was really important in my family that you collected the stamps i remember the the stacks of books of of the green stamp books cuz you would collect the stamps in books uh, and I think I remember my grandma sheets giving them to my mom. Like they were, they were important until all of a sudden they weren't. And it was one of those things where you would collect the stamps. Uh, again, for, thank you, Wikipedia, for reminding me exactly of what they are. It ran from the 1930s until the late 1980s. Where would you get the stamps? And, Who would give them to you? Okay, you need to back off. Um, I want. I just. I want to. I feel you like the... you're push. I feel like you're pushing in a way that I'm not comfortable. Get ready. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to lose my pop filter and everything's going to fall apart. Don't lose your pop filter. Okay. Please. All right. Just tell us about the goddamn fucking green stamps. So it was essentially like rewards points. So just, it was, it was, it was a frequent shopper program and it was at supermarkets and gas stations, a couple of other stores. I don't know what, but ours always came from the grocery store. And if you purchase something there, they would ask, oh, are you collecting stamps? And they would give them to you much like we play the Monopoly game at Acme. And that's very important to me. Mm. Um, Much like your frequent shopper card of, oh, now I get to turn this in for a bonus like this. I don't want to say it started it, but this was the analog version Mm -hmm. of a frequent shopper card. It predates like a a card or a thing. It's it's, it's sort of like um, what we did is collect uh, Campbell's Soup labels. Yes. And box tops from cereal yes. boxes. So it's the same idea. It's a proof of purchase of a kind. Proof of purchase. And then, you know, but what where it differs from the, the Campbell soup and uh, the, the, what else did you say that irritated Cereal, me? cereal yeah, box yeah, tops. Cereal box tops. Those are benefiting schools. S&H benefited you. And so you could turn it in for other things. I think usually discounts or sometimes uh, other um products Mm -hmm. right or a discount on products so they're the sponsors of it i think it's just uh it starts it starts it and it ends it um the entire episode so it really sets it in a particular time um that snh green stamps was so popular and making so much money that they were sponsoring this show It comes very, very clear right when she starts uh, the show. She's in it. She's cooking. She's ready to go. Beef bourguignon. French beef stew and red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. It's a perfectly delicious dish. She's welcoming you. Julia Child is welcoming you to the episode and telling you exactly what you're going to be doing. You are going to make beef bourguignon. Uh, and but it's not beef, it's beef bourguignon. Uh, and then she tastes the stew with the spoon. Mm-hmm. A giant spoon. Yeah. The giant cooking spoon that she's been stirring the stew with. Um, and it was upsetting. Because it she, just set me off right away. Yeah, there, because of the sort of germ uh, quality. Well, she didn't put it back in. 
she does that later. Yeah, she does. By the way. Yes, she does. And she does, and it 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 just really upset me a lot. I had a physical reaction every time she did it. But the absurdity of of taking the the giant spoon that you've been cooking the stew with, and then, and then taking a taste of it, it wouldn't happen today. Yeah. It just it wouldn't happen today when you when you think about it. Is it okay that it happened back then? I don't think it is. No, I don't think it is. Let's cancel. So her. right off the bat, right off the bat. <laughs> No, thank you, Julia Child. You don't know what you're doing. Of course, that's not true. She knows exactly what she's doing. It was, yeah. it was pretty spectacular. Um, right from the very beginning, she is food labbing this sucker. She is kenjing it up about here's what you need to know. Here's I've you know I've tested this. I here's how to do it. I've learned from other people. I'm gonna help you understand how to do this, and you can absolutely accomplish it. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the parallels between what's happening today and what's popular with food, of here's how to do it. I'm you know I'm I can be trusted here, but I can really help you do this. Kind of a no excuses. Don't say you can't do it. I'm gonna break this down to show you just how easy it is. Uh, and then she she starts she brings out a big um, pallet of of meat mm. uh, of raw I meat. I think pallet is a little bit of an exaggeration. Well, it's I think whenever board. you put, well, it's a large cutting board. Um, you make it sound like she pallet. backed a truck up with like a <laughs> she did. side she of. She did. She had beef. a she had a fork. She left. had a living cow. She, a... <laughs> she stunned she... it like Anton Sugar. <laughs> Broke the whole she thing did. down with a pen knife. I think that was really, really surprising when she flipped the coin in <laughs> front of the cow <laughs> and just said heads or tails, yeah. heads or tails. Uh, what do you stand and the, to lose? The cow... What do you stand to win? <laughs> everything. You stand to win everything. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. Do you know what? They're the same the hair. Cow... <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, the cow chose tail, so yeah. she had to kill it. Yeah. Uh, she she just shot it right in the head, uh, and then just just use some mad knife skills. Mm-hmm. You know when the sexy butcher was really popular about six or seven years ago, like sex butcher. Let's just call sex butcher. Was it a man or a woman? It was just a genre of person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, I'm going to teach you how to cook. And it felt very Brooklyn and tattooed. Mm -hmm. And you'd probably go into a cavernous space and have tattoos on your arms and like, I don't know, like like licking each other's tattoos and like oh, you're so sexy and then and then you bring out knives and you'd show people how to sharpen them what i really liked about what julia child was like here's some fucking meat yeah. and here it is yeah. i'm gonna present it to you on this large cutting board mm-hmm. mini palette and show you what to choose now she starts off right with what with which one she would choose mm-hmm. she would choose and now here's our beef the chuck yep and she says, because it won't get stringy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. But then she goes through a bunch of different other pieces. And I can't tell if she doesn't like them or if she does like them. Do you have any thoughts? I think that she probably went to school with them and is like, all right, you guys. I, you, you, you know, <laughs> you saw me do some weird shit back at Smith. I will let you be on my TV show <laughs> if you just keep your fucking mouth shut about the... Uh, hot curlers in the mm-hmm. rigatoni incident. I don't know. 
Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Chicago. And rigatoni is a euphemism, oh, yeah. correct? Oh, yeah. Thank baby. you. <laughs> Western Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, no, I think it was just, it was, it was every, every part of what she was doing was an opportunity to educate the viewer, right? In a, in a, totally. in a really conversational, really easygoing way. So this was like, here's what I would choose. Here are some other cuts that you may very well encounter at the supermarket. And I'm going to talk to you about them a little bit. And I think maybe also okay. like, she didn't come right out and say it, but I think like, you could also choose these. Like one of them was flanken, which is the, I think she said it was the flanken, wide part of the short rib. Oh. Uh, it's just not a, it's not a great name, but um, it's not a great name. And she says in a way that I can't tell if it's flanken or flunken or flunked. I don't know. Yeah. I couldn't tell. Uh, I couldn't yeah, tell. I and she, I didn't know why I was seeing I it. I think she was just sort of like, here, here are some options. I would choose this one, but like, you're not going to fuck it up if you choose one of these other pieces. These are the commonly available cuts in 1963 in your mm-hmm. in your supermarket. She then goes on to say that there's she typically thinks about one pound of protein. She does not say protein because it's not the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does say I would normally choose one pound of meat. Boneless meat uh, for two to three people. For two to three people, unless you have a good appetite. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, well, I do have Melissa Clark with me, A Good Appetite, and that is the name of her column. And I just wondered, did, did any of that stick in your mind? Did you think Melissa Clark at that point like I did? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just, I was, I think I was pleased that she wasn't like, unless you have some big men. You know, there was nothing like yeah. weirdly gendered about it. It was just sort of like... Yeah. Some people like to eat more than others, and I'm presenting these options with no judgment. Uh, one rule of thumb would be a pound of meat for two, every two to three people. A, one, a pound of boneless meat for two to three people, which is, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is I think, a good, you know, a, a still a good rule of thumb. Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good healthy serving. Yeah, it's, I mean, once you cook it, it's well, probably healthy, six, large serving. You know, after cooking weight, whatever, six ounces per person. Uh, four to six ounces per person. If you're breaking a pound down, this is very interesting. Everyone, get your well, calculators th- out. It's time for a little cooking math. Here's a mind trick for you: quarter pounder. There you go. I always think to my health, uh-huh. to, to, in my head, uh, am I in the mood for a quarter pounder, mm-hmm. or do I want a little less? Yeah. I never want a little more. Ever. You never want more than four ounces of meat. No. Oh. Oh. No. No. Let's get into it. Are you a are you a meat eater? Like a big meat eater? I I like meat. I eat meat. Uh I think I have started to eat less meat. Um, you know, I am a divorced mom. Uh so Brag. Th- <laughs> I tell you, there are so many benefits to being divorced in a <laughs> pandemic. It's like I've had a lot of people be like, You're so lucky. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, I think since I've um, now 50% of the time, I am all cooking only for myself. And yeah. on those nights, it is, or in those days, it is, uh, I will often not have meat. I will have eggs or I'll, well, whatever, we'll have beans or tofu. Uh, just, I mean, out of yeah. a sense of frugality and also just kind of like, I don't know, it just, it just seems 
sometimes a little bit indulgent to cook meat just for myself. Uh, that's that's a general. So I I, I like meat. I, I've uh, I did I was a vegetarian uh, in college because I was fashionable, um, and then immediately actually even before I graduated college I got back on the meat. Uh, I think maybe we told that story with the the lost episode with my sister where she um, yeah, gave yeah. me a. Hickory Farms beef sausage for she sure did uh, for Christmas when I was still a vegetarian and I was like, well, I'm gonna eat that because it's really good. Uh, so, do I eat meat? Yes, uh, but right. I don't. But it sounds like you eat a lot of meat <laughs> when you eat it. It's that's what I'm taking. Like you don't eat it often, oh, but yeah. when you do, you're you're thinking more of a like quarter a pound, 24, a 24 ounce steak. No, I don't. Sure. Know. I no, I I. I yeah. I don't know. What do you want me to say? What do you fucking I, I want got, me to say, I Chris? I upset. I don't know. I don't know. Four I just ounces got very is not upset. a lot of meat. I'm sorry. It just felt like a lot to me. Felt like a lot. Felt like a lot. Aren't you from Indiana? I am and grew up butchering. Maybe that's why. There you go. It just felt like a lot to me. Um, and then I realized, well, I if if a large steak is is put in front of me, <laughs> I ask my wife if she wants half of it, even though she's already had a steak, uh, and she says yes, hand that over. Mm. Um, so that's what's interesting over here. She then just starts ripping out a bunch of paper towel. Did you see her just yes. grab the bunches of paper and towel? And I love her for that because I oh. I love a paper towel. I know it's not. Uh, it's not the best use of resources, but it's not the worst use of resources. No, agreed. Uh, and if, as long as I can, I will compost my paper towels so everybody just shut the oh, fuck really? up. Yeah, you can, if, as long as oh. they don't have like animal fat on them or you know okay. fats so of any these kind. You yeah, these yeah, I yeah. would not. But um, yeah, yeah, I I love a fucking paper towel. I'm, I'm still I try to be judicious about them, but. I, all right. I'm not trying to judge you. I'm not trying to judge you. I am all trying right? to get you You to don't judge have me. to defend yours. Don't defend yourself. You are not on trial. I was just impressed with the manic grab mm-hmm. of paper towel. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not the right word because that sounds very judgmental. I don't mean it that way. The, author- the authority with which she grabbed yeah. that paper towel, I think, is what with I mean. no apology. Um, no apology. And she's doing it because she's got to dry her meat. Yeah. And her point is, if you don't dry the meat, it's not going to brown. Yeah. You want it to brown. You don't want that layer of water underneath it. If it's not browning, it's because there's too much water. What do you want out of life is her point. Mm-hmm. Do you want this to taste good or do you want to be a failure? When I see people... And you've been a failure all the time. That's what she's saying to the viewer. Yeah. You've been a failure. And I'm telling you why you've been a failure without, without saying you've been a failure. But... If your meat hasn't been browned in the past, it's because you didn't dry it. Mm-hmm. So stop fucking around, grab the paper towel, and dry your meat. You're starting to make her sound a little bit like a, like the kind of cult leader, which is every cult leader that's like, well, you're obviously a huge loser and you failed in life. And they break you down and then you spend like $1,200 uh, for the next for the intensive to build yourself back up. I think that there is an element of her. Of Julia Child. That, absolutely, that is a little bit of a cult leader. Hmm. Hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm very into cults right now. Hmm. Very into them. Um, at work, I will often say, so in some of the cult, <laughs> some of the things that I've been watching about cults, I learned blank and everybody's eyes just are like, holy shit, <laughs> what are we in for? Uh, but I, I think that she is actually i think there are elements of a cult leader as you've mentioned she doesn't quite say you're a failure she doesn't say your life is a 
is a shitstorm. But at the end, she does say, she does in a tiny bit of a mocking tone say, if you ever say like, oh, it's going to, I couldn't possibly cook for four hours. Well, like you didn't, I just showed you, it doesn't take anything at all. You're not working the whole time. Like, of course you can do this. So there's this motivation, motivational self-help, this, you can have a better life you can have better food than what you're eating today, and you can do it in a way that you can accomplish. There is a tiny bit of, I'm going to show you a better path mm. in there that I think really, um, it, it's part of who she is. It's part of how she presents. There's also this overwhelming sense of, oh, there's certain, there are phrases that we use. There's, there's vocab that we use that we don't use elsewhere. Her emphasis on using exactly the right French words as opposed to, you know, the Americanization of them. Like she's, you've got to do this authentically. Mm. She even gets into the bay leaf at one point to say like, hey, there are two kinds of bay leaves in the world. Uh, there's the American and there's the French. Use the French if you want this to taste really French. Mm. And it's just like, oh, I guess I do need it to taste really French. She doesn't tell you what the differences are. Mm -hmm. She just says, if you want it to taste really French, use the French bay leaf. And I think she's a cult leader. That's it. That's the point of that. Yeah, I... No, I know you don't I I strongly disagree. Um, I need to get myself some water because I have a dry throat. Excuse me. All right. Yes, Emma. Sometimes your throat gets really dry and you're talking and you're listening to an idiot just go on and on and he won't stop. And you think, I can't leave because then they'll know I think he's a fucking idiot. I can't leave right now, but my throat is very dry and I'm going to cough. And if I don't get water, it's going to be a problem. And so then I go and I get the water and then I come back and I sit down because I got it. And I put on my headphones. But as a mom, sometimes it's very hard to even deal with this. And then I take a drink of water, and I take another drink of water, and I, f- I flip off my co-host because I want him to know, as a mom, I don't have time for his bullshit. I think Dave's killer bread is literally trying to kill me. <laughs> I, I had some Dave's killer bread toast uh, before we started doing this, and there's like a yeah. stray fucking, I don't know, flaxseed or something that's like... Yeah. Trying Did you to get the seeded? Me. Yeah. The, Did you get the seeded one, the yellow? No, it's like yeah, the green, 21, 21 seed, thin sliced. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. still a little skeptical. The mini, lo- yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Just had two pieces this morning for breakfast. Dave's a big part of my life. Mm. Um, is she a cult leader? No. I would just like us to recognize that there are elements of what she's doing which start starts to make you feel like you can have a better life mm-hmm. than what you have if you just listen to her. Okay. And the fact is, like, yeah, is, she's probably right. Is that not just education, it, though? I mean, Yeah, it like, is. It is. It is, but, I, but there's also this lifestyle thing that I think comes into it. Mm-hmm. Because her audience... Generally, and I, I think I can generalize here safely without being sexist, is mostly the stay-at-home person. <laughs> yeah. In 1963, all those, all those dads. Yeah. I, 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 there are, I think she's definitely saying, you can do this. I figured it out and I'm going to help you through mm-hmm. it. The end of that is she a cult leader no let's recognize what she's doing though when she does it and one of the things she never does Lori, is wash her hands yeah yeah yeah. holy shit but does she touch the meat yes 
with her hands? Of course she touches the meat, yes. But she used the tongs. Oh, she put the raw meat in with her hand and then she took it out with those terrible That's fucking right. tongs. Those terrible tongs, those new tongs that just won't open. Yeah, but they're they're like the they're the old fashioned, totally ineffectual, like very uh, ergonomically stupid um, tongs that I, I uh, that are definitely still in my parents' house. And uh, yeah, they have the loop of thick wire yeah. uh, instead of anything that will actually clamp onto yeah, it. It's yeah, just yeah. this sturdy thick wire that won't move. Uh, that's turned into a loop, and she's trying to move the meat. It doesn't doesn't work that great. Um, when you see people not washing their hands on a cooking show. How does that make you feel? To be honest, I did not notice at all. I did. It did not even occur to me. I, I assumed that she washed her hands at the before the cameras started rolling. I did see her wipe her hand on her butt cheek at one point, <laughs> and that was very charming. So I'm down with that. I don't. I don't okay. care. I don't care. She listen. Right. She lived another fucking forty years. It was fine. It was fine. She didn't die, and nobody died around her ever. Um, she, let's talk about her technique with the meat. Now she puts the meat into a, a steel pan or a, a metal pan. I don't know that it was steel, but into a, a shallow, what are we going to call that? Like a frying pan? Sure. Yeah. Okay. A metal frying pan with some oil. Uh, she talks about all the different kinds of oils you could use. That was fascinating. Probably too many choices there. Oh, and she said olive oil and peanut oil. That was two. She did. Come on. That's too many. Uh, And then she puts the meat in. And then she talks about the importance of moving it around to prevent it from sticking. She got real frantic. I was like, let them leave it alone, lady. She's talking about the importance of browning. This is black and white. We cannot tell Mm -hmm. if it's raw. We can't. Yeah. Like there was no difference. Be- well, there was a tiny bit of difference between raw and lightly, not even you brown. You could barely tell. You Come on, barely standard tell. definition from 50 plus years ago. It was it was impossible to tell what was happening with that meat. Can you tell me like how long should I brown my meat for beef bourguignon? I would say, well, longer than, longer than she did, I think. Yes. Unless, I mean, it's possible that, that her pan was very thin. And so it was like extremely, sure. wasn't like one of your Le Creuset where it's like, you know, oh, takes sure. a long That's time. Oh, sure. That's exactly what I'm cooking with. Uh, yeah, 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 I was surprised at how quickly that whole process went and how frantically she was tossing that beef around the pan. Uh, but I'm going to say it's fine. I don't know. She did get, I mean, there were some brown bits in the bottom of the pan. Tiny bits of brown bits. Yeah. Like I thought you were supposed to have like a lot of brown bits. I thought that's where the flavor really comes I'm gonna from. I'm going to say if she weren't on TV, she, she probably mm-hmm. would have let it go longer. Fine. But I think she was probably fine. feeling a little bit hustled. Why is she move? Why isn't she making everything in the, in the uh, larger pot? Why is she, she's browning the meat in a pan mm-hmm. and then moving that meat over um, into a pot where she's, it's going to go into the oven. Why isn't everything just done in the pot where all the flavor can be captured? I was wondering that myself. I think it's possible that that casserole was not uh, stovetop safe. Like it was, might've been ceramic oh. or something. Um, okay. You know, I, I don't, I don't Maybe. know what sort of the cook, the expectations were okay. of cookware back then, but I, I was okay, a little bit fair. surprised by that because I would do it all in the same pan and and transfer the meat to a bowl to hold and then go back in the pan. But yeah, I think I think that it was just uh, 
you know, that vessel was not meant for the stovetop. So I, I do have a real question for you, and this isn't a criticism. We, we know Julia did not, she didn't brown the meat as long as mm-hmm. we might mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. or she might have, had she not been frantically moving it around on camera. How brown is brown? How brown is brown when you're browning meat? And I'm asking for real guidance here. How brown is brown? I mean, not black. It shouldn't... S- not burned. Not burned. Yeah. I mean, pretty brown. You know, if, you, if you've got a lot of patience and a lot of time, you can really let it go, uh, you know, get it very, uh, very browned. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the... I, I don't know what you're looking for here. Well, I'm looking for... She got it like this not even not even tan yeah all right and i've been told i think in my head and i don't know where i made this up i don't know if i injected it into my brain Mm. or if i saw it on some show Mm -hmm. that you kind of develop a crust on there yeah it's it's better i mean a caramelized crust yeah but the whole the point is to get that caramelization in the pan and then deglaze it with the wine like she did. Right, I mean, right, when right. you're when you're putting this seared beef then into a pan with with uh, wine and aromatics and putting it in the oven, like you have no expectation that you're maintaining that crust. I mean, you are drowning right. it. So there's nothing. They're not going to be anything crunchy, and it's all going to right. I'm not looking for crunch. I'm looking for flavor. Yeah. Well, so yeah, she should have gone longer with the. No, no, no! Don't criticize her. her first Tell me episode. Okay, there's a lot of defending of Julia Child right now, and I need you to know I loved her before you ever did. I didn't did. know who she was till like 1998. Exactly. So please do not talk to me about how I'm supposed to treat her or evaluate her today. She touched her meat with raw hands and didn't wash. She didn't brown it correctly. She's using all kinds of pans when she should just be using one pan. These are facts. These are facts. These are facts. She touched her butt with her meat hand. These are facts. We can say, hey, these things happen and still completely love her. I loved this episode. I thought she was brilliant. I thought I I did feel exhausted even at this point. And we're probably 10 minutes in to the show. And I'm absolutely exhausted. She's flooded me with knowledge. Flooded me. Okay. Uh, so please don't talk to me about who loves Julia Child and whether or not we can criticize her. She touched her, she touched her butt with her meat hand. That's a fact. It is, and we can point it out and still accept her and still say, "Isn't she brilliant? Didn't she do incredible things? Shouldn't we make movies about her?" Of course we should. Of course we should. Um, it's so nice to be lectured by you. <laughs> I've missed it so much. <laughs> I've missed your your glorious self righteousness. Oh, thank you so much. I just I don't have anybody else to do it with at this house. And really? Do you not have? Three it feels children? safe. No, I can't lecture them. They just walk away. Okay. Uh, I kept waiting for like off. I kept waiting for like <laughs> a young child. Like there was something about the whole like it's her accent and the sound quality that that's just very I can't quantify it but it's very characteristic of the time and the look of the thing i kept waiting for like some jaunty music or like a child to walk in and be like say ma i want a peanut butter sandwich or like 
Toto or Elmira Gulch or like there just was, and I guess this is just me sort of being like, this reminded me of other entertainments from a similar time period. But uh, mm-hmm. she looks very much in stature and composure like Alice from Brady Bunch, like her more serious, uh, like her world traveling sister who went to Smith College. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and doesn't have time for the bullshit. I yeah. mean, she is there to do a job. Yeah. I loved the vibe that she was yeah, giving. Yeah, yeah. It was, we are going to do this. We're going to figure it out. We have food to make. Let's do that. Did she have a washer dryer in the background of her kitchen? I think she did. I believe so. I believe so. That blew my mind. Top loading washer, front loading dryer, side by side, right next to the stove. What is going on? You? Where else is it supposed to the be? The laundry room, the basement, the bathroom. Yeah, you know, there's a level of domesticity that sometimes was being conveyed but never embraced. Mm, mm-hmm. um, like, almost like there's, this is work. This isn't life. Mm. Um, and we can, like, let's do our job yeah. here. I really, really liked what she was doing. Do we think that was her house or a set? Oh, it was totally a okay. set. That had to be a set. Yeah. I guess. It was a be. very, I mean, they had a table. So there was a there was movement yeah. from kitchen to dining area. It was it was quite uh, quite elaborate. If the movie Julia and Julie or Julie and Julia is to be believed, I believe that was definitely a set okay. that they created. But you know, don't quote me, and I haven't done that research, and I I won't. Um, she deglazes the pan, as you mentioned, with a lot of wine. Three cups. Uh, Loved it. That was that was just that felt empowering mm. in a lot of ways. Question for you, cooking question for you. She just drops this little line uh, and doesn't explain it at all, uh, like any good cult leader, make you wanting to know more mm-hmm. and not feel stupid. So I'm going to ask you, like I would after the cult session is over. She says you you add the beef stock so that the beef looks like fleurs, little flowers. Mm-hmm. What is she talking about? I understand flowers. I understand beef. How is the beef going to look like flowers? Tell me more. That was unusual. I think what she meant was you add it to the level of where the beef is then just like, you can just see a small, the beef is floating and you can just see a little bit of the surface. And that's all I could imagine. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't, don't." a beef flower is a whole other category of film that generally doesn't (laughs) involve pants. Uh, love it. Strag films, you... they called them. <laughs> uh, she adds tomato paste. Tomato paste. Bay leaf. I'm. So, you're right. I am so sorry. <laughs> I should have put an H after this tomato paste. Uh, I don't think she tells us how much. It doesn't matter. She just dumps it in. Now you get like the a idea. Tablespoon. She's like, I think she said it's yeah. about a tablespoon. Okay, fine. I was going to say it was, a, it was a large spoonful. Dumps it in. Then the bay leaf and the thyme. We've already talked about the bay leaf. And if you wanted to taste French, you get the imported. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. What does French taste like? I don't know. I don't know. Um, they taste very different. That is a big deal to her. Then you add in the garlic. Don't salt too much yet. Mm-hmm. Not too much. She never salted the meat, did she, before she put it in the pan? She didn't. Again, wild. Yeah. Wild. Um, she says, you know, it's going to reduce, so don't salt it too much. And then she, she does something that was really hard for me to continue watching. Mm. 
She tastes with her spoon. Okay. What's in there right now? Barely cooked beef and just bare. It's not even seared. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's oozing rawness. Yeah. Uh, we don't know where that beef has been other than her hands. Yeah. Uh, later her pants. Uh, she, she takes her spoon and tastes. Yeah. The oh, there's also three she cups says it of taste- raw red wine. Hot, Fair. but totally not uh, cooked off red wine. Yeah. How are you feeling not about that? Not great. Not great. I was raw, like... No, I've never thought about raw wine. Tell me more. Well, it's just, I mean, it's, you know, it's wine, right? But if in the, oh, in the yeah, I mean, yeah, she yeah. even says it. She's like, well, it doesn't taste good because the wine yeah, is yeah, yeah. raw. Because she's put in, you know, three cups of, of wine that definitely have not had time. I mean, when you cook with wine, the alcohol after a, a not too much time cooks off. If you bring it to a boil, yeah. the alcohol most of it's volatile yeah, and yeah. It, it cooks away. But she, this is the volume of wine and the amount of time she's left it on the stove. This none of the alcohol has cooked off. So now you just have hot red wine, which I'm okay. sorry with beef, hot right, red with beef, bloody wine. beef. <laughs> And a couple of, and a, and some you know a, a few aromatics cold room temperature uh, tomatoes tomato paste not great she sips it yeah and the remainder as you said she says it doesn't taste very good right now great I was losing my mind mm-hmm. but an amount of juice remained and she put it back and she dumped it back yeah. in. it just dumped back in I was so mad yeah, was pretty, at was that point. Weird. Now, is it going to get cooked off? Of yeah. course. Is it going to boil? Of course. Right. Could you do that today? Absolutely yeah, not. No. I, you don't watch food TV much, do you? Uh, no. If ever? Never. Yeah. It's been right. a long time. So there's a, there's a lot of hand washing. There's a lot of use this spoon, not that spoon now. There, there, mm-hmm. uh, it's just, we wouldn't allow it. We've heard Tom Colicchio and we've seen Tom Colicchio um, chastise chefs on Top Chef and, and probably kick them off for using the same spoon. I think we're just very aware at this point that we don't do that. I guess, which do you think is worse? You know, I think... Tasting the beef wine or putting it back in? Go ahead. I think the worst thing is all this hygiene fucking theater. <laughs> You know, that's really just points to our overly litigious fucking society because it's not about the actual uh, perceived threat. Like you said, the it's it's uh, it's food that's going to be cooked in the hot oven for four fucking hours. And uh, we have to assume Julia Child doesn't have trench mouth. OK, but the problem is you can't show it because some dumb motherfucker is going to be like, Oh, I did it just like I saw it on TV and then I got sick and now I'm going to sue WGBH or whatever the fuck. So all of this, this pantomime of perfection is really just about our dumb litigious society. The end. I guess what I appreciate so much about you is how you never fall into a self-righteous rant (laughs) at all. Uh, and That's right. just talk to me. You just talk, right? You say, let's just talk about this. And I think it's your humanity that I admire the most. <laughs> um, then she puts it into the oven. She says, you don't have to look at it again. It's going to stay in there for three, three and a half hours. I forget. Somewhere in there, three, three and a half hours, right? And then she talks about the virtues of, of cooking ahead. My word's not hers. But to say, 
you know, you can do this beef the day before. Do it the day before. The next pieces that we're going to get into, they're going to go into the beef. I'm gonna, she doesn't actually quite make that clear. I thought they were side dishes mm-hmm. to begin with. And then she makes it clear, no, no, we're going to put them in the beef and it's going to be great. She doesn't tell you when, but that's fine because she, what she's saying is we're going to do, we're going to cook in components and then we're going to bring it all together. You can do this the day before. All of it can be done the day before or parts of it can be done the day, excuse me, the day before. It's, um, you can do this. So I love that. Like just breaking it down and not feeling overwhelmed. And then we're on to braising the onions. Were those pearl onions? Yes. Did you feel like she had a whole bunch of pearl yes. onions? How do you feel about pearl onions? Tell me you're, you hate I just, them. Why? Uh, because I don't, I, they're just a pain in the ass. I know people love them. I know chefs love them. It's very, I dealt with them a lot in cooking school. I will never, you yeah. will never catch me buying a pearl onion. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like their 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 appeal is is aesthetic. I'm sure I'm wrong about this, but I am lazy, and uh, I don't like peeling them or dealing with them. I think they're. A little I don't know silly. that you're wrong about it. And I'm also it. not a big it, it onion does. fan, so I'm like, uh, do well, I ever? I mean, I like onions in cooked food, but I'm not like mm, cooked onion. You know, like I just to me, it's not an appealing. Like that is a part that I probably would leave behind when I had a bowl of this beef bourguignon with whole intact pearl onions i'd be like yeah not for me well good uh <laughs> glad you have just you know ambivalent feelings about pearl not onions uh i was always told that if you want to use pearl onions just get the frozen because they've already been peeled and yeah. then you don't have to do all this but she makes it pretty simple like if you're going to use pearl onions which you are because that is the recipe and that is how they do it in france you are going to take the onions, you're going to boil some water, and then put the onions, probably four or five onions, into a large ladle um, that has, you know, the, the holes in it so it can strain and all that. And you put the onions and holding them on the ladle, put them in there for, I'm sorry, put the onions into the boiling water, bring the water back to boil, and then leave it in there for 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then you bring it out and then you can start to peel. And you're really just taking the outer layer off. Don't take a lot of the onion off, just the outer layer. That that felt doable. Yeah, it's I mean, that's a very useful technique uh, for that. And also uh, for for tomato, doing the same thing with tomato skins. Sure, sure. You have to score the ends to sort of get the peel started. Um, Yeah, I like that. I like that throughout this whole thing. There were all of these, these techniques. Uh, I felt like I was watching in 30 minutes, I felt like I was watching the first several weeks of uh, basic cooking school. All yeah. of these uh, she, tried and true techniques that she was not, and she didn't make a big deal about it. And she, you know, it just was sort of like, here's how you do it. She treats the audience yes. like adults. Yep, she sure does. Um, then you put the onions into a pan. You're going to add water about halfway up. You add a fuck ton of butter, yeah. not her language, mine, but like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to eat those onions. Like, that's how I felt seeing those that butter going to those onions. I thought I want, I want Mm -hmm. to try those. You add some salt and, uh, 25 minutes until tender. She acknowledges she doesn't have a cover for her pot. You need to cover the pot. Uh, she doesn't have a cover. So she puts a pie tin on there. Loved it. Loved it. Pie tin on top of it. Yes. That just felt triumphant. I felt at that point that she was very reminiscent of Mr. Rogers or maybe lady. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, 
we we're making do with what we have and that is not only okay that is how it should Mm. be so i love that normalization of cooking with what you had then we're going to do the mushrooms we're just off to do the mushrooms again we're not sure how this is all going to come together she has a lot of feelings about mushrooms Mm. um that there is a this is the right way always saute the mushrooms this way she Mm -hmm. says always like it's not an exception Mm -hmm. this isn't a technique to be fucked with you do it this way every fucking time Mm -hmm. and if you do it another way you're a fucking idiot again she doesn't say that but that's how i felt she does this wonderful breakdown about the freshness of mushrooms i had never had realized before did you know this about mushrooms tell me again was it about the stems she's shown yeah it's about if the stems connect to the cap and i was thinking about oh the gills Mm -hmm. right the gills that are um exposed underneath if the if the stem is connected to the cap that means it's fresh if you can if you can just see the lip and then underneath the cap what i'll call the gills then then it's not as fresh it's fine Mm -hmm. it's fine but you don't want to use that stem you can use the stem if it's still connected to the to the cap i thought that was wow i loved learning all that and how simple she made it um and she talked about that there's very little dirt on most american mushrooms she shows you how to dunk it in water dunk them in water bring them out of the water leave the dirt behind and then dry them like crazy how did you feel about the mushrooms uh how did i feel about the mushrooms i mean she's very right about the whole uh i mean she's right about everything i was not who am I to say she's not right about everything? Um, well, I love that she dried them with uh, not even a paper towel, a a no. real towel. I started to wonder, because I missed the part in the beginning where it was sponsored by the green stamps. I only saw it at the end. So mm-hmm. I thought, oh, because she, she said, oh, you can you, you don't have to feel bad about using a towel when, you ha- when we have these wonderful electric washing machines. And I thought, yeah. are they sponsored by Maytag or, you know, one of these companies? They were. They were sponsored by GE. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, it felt to me, it, it was the, like, to my ear, I was like, that is... It was an odd phrase. Yeah, it was like, it was why are phrase. you talking up the modern marvels of machinery? And I mean, and the reason I think is right, because they were sponsored by GE. Yeah. Uh, but With electric washing machines, you don't have to be upset for using dish towels to dry mushrooms. <laughs> That's right. You yeah. don't. You're. You certainly it don't. Seems, She's not it's wrong. It's the height of decadence, I think, to dry mushrooms with a with a clean dish towel. But I love it. I I absolutely love it. Uh, and yeah, mushrooms are fucking full of water. So if you like all of her things about you know make sure the the oil is hot enough or you know the butter and the oil, but you can't just use butter because it gets hot and then it burns and that's not good. Right. Um. That is. You know, I think people don't understand that. Mushrooms are full of water. If you put them in a pan that's not hot enough, they're just going to bleed out their water and just be steamed and mushy. And mushy. Mushy mushrooms. And nobody wants mm-hmm. that. She did talk about how much she loves patent no-stick pans. Mm-hmm. Patent no-stick pans. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. that. That's how they were referred to previously. Patent, And she loves yeah. them. She loves them. She treats them like any old pan. Yeah. She just treats them like a regular pan. And this Great. is decades before we realized that, you know, whatever, it's giving everybody all kinds of cancer. Oh, yeah. It's terrible for the environment. Absolutely. It's going to kill all of us. But she loves mm-hmm. 
Um, and she just shakes the fuck out of the mushrooms mm-hmm. when she puts them in. She did show how to cut the mushrooms. I thought that was really nice that you want the caps and the stems to be cut mm-hmm. in the same way so that, that you've got uniform pieces. Really, really like that on the bias folks. If you're wondering how she cut them, uh, shakes the pan aggressively. Some of them flew out, not a lot, but I liked it. She said, if you put them into the stew raw, they just won't taste right. Now, she doesn't say how they would taste wrong. It just won't taste right. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's that sense of if we're going to do it the French way, we're going to do it the French way and don't steam. Uh, A a quote to go along with what you just said, a properly sautéed mushroom doesn't have juice. Can you talk about mushroom juice? Like, have you ever had mushroom juice? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's honestly, it's not like it tastes bad. It's just not a sautéed mushroom. It's like a steamed Mm -hmm. or a, I don't know. It's just a a braised mushroom, maybe. Just a juicy mushroom. Think of like when you get mushrooms in a can, like at a pizza place or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just a whole different. It's just juicy. It's just juicy. Yeah. I just thought... I don't know. I just, it was a fun, fun thing to think about a juicy mushroom. Did you notice the push button stove? Yes. And the fact that it was electric, which I'm sure was probably has to do with like fire codes or whatever. You can't have gas. Yeah. Or GE being the sponsor. General Electric being the sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. And I don't know that it was from them, but it was a push button stove. So there were no knobs to turn. She would just push buttons. Uh, like an eight track, mm-hmm. um, like a old push button radio in a car. Uh, it was, it was yeah. great. I loved it. I loved it. So the stew comes out after about three and a half hours. She makes it clear she had one in there. You don't know when she put that one in there. You don't know when they swapped mm-hmm. it out, but they did a swap mm-hmm. out and I loved it. I thought it was fascinating when the camera wasn't on the stove and it didn't look like a false back stove uh, where they could slide it in. Maybe it was, it didn't look like one, um, but they swapped it out and I loved it. And she made it clear, Hey, this one's been in there for three and a half mm-hmm. hours. She does find a towel hung around her. Her handy, mm-hmm. she says. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Love towel that. So do hung I. around me. So do I. I find a towel hung around me handy. Mm-hmm. It's a little... No, she means around her neck. Yeah. It's a little bathhouse. It, it's a... Sh- it, you know, I just imagine her... Anyway, it was, it was a good mm-hmm. image. It was mm-hmm. a good image. I enjoyed it. Uh, she's very youthful in this. Yeah. Without, like, it's interesting how she balances authority, and I think she has to balance it all. Authority being approachable, not being matronly, not lecturing, not being a mommy figure. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she just is herself in a way that I found really, really fascinating. And she's monologuing for a half an hour. Yeah. It was stunning yeah, yeah. what she did. Just stunning. Hey, um, she strains a sauce into another pan. She uses a colander, dumps the meat and sauce into another pan. What she's just trying to do is, is just get the sauce where she can finish it up. Uh, she encourages you to remove the fat. Um, and and unless you're on one of those fat-free diets, leave a little fat. Now, I do wonder if she's aware that there's a lot of fat in this dish. Yeah. I love that she's taking a few tablespoons out, but 
Anyway, maybe this isn't a fat-free diet. Yeah, no. This, I mean, I don't think this is a dish you're making if you're on a fat-free diet in 1963. Yeah, but maybe it is. Maybe that's what they're, you know, it's like, well, I skimmed all the fat off. Oh, that's true. You know? Yeah, that was the pooling stuff that tastes good. I, I took that off. Yeah. Um, pepper can get bitter, she says. Pepper can get bitter. Yeah, I haven't heard that before. Has that been your experience? But, I mean, I believe it, but I it's it felt it true. felt true, but I hadn't ever heard that before. So she salts and peppers it. She adds one. Uh, she gives a great, great handy measurement for thickening the sauce. You want to add one tablespoon of flour, not not by itself. Don't go dumping it in there. She adds a bunch of softened butter to it. She doesn't say how much into the flour mm-hmm. and mashes it together. Mm-hmm. Talk about that, Lori. Beurre Meunier, something I learned in cooking school also and hadn't really heard too much about. I think it's kind of an old-fashioned technique, but it's a fast and reliable <coughs> way to thicken a sauce. It's a it's a paste. It's so it's I mean it's the yeah. same you know uh, principle as a roux where you're taking hot fat and uh, sifting flour into it. You're making a, you know, a, an amalgamation of, of a thickener and a fat. But one tablespoon of flour per cup of sauce. Great, great handy. I love that. I've often wondered, like, how, how much should go in mm. here? Am I going to make it too thick? Mm-hmm. Love that tip. One tablespoon of flour per cup of sauce. She adds it to the sauce, and then she says uh, she's using a whisk. She just kind of looks up at the camera and says, these Wire whips are awfully useful. And I love that. It was a nice moment where she was kind of like, I know, it's cool, right? Like, come on, get a wire whip. Do you think those are um, a new thing in like the 60s? I don't know. I wonder, do you remember the bell-shaped egg beaters? Yes. Maybe everybody thought they were, uh, whisks were just those egg-shaped, or no, bell-shaped egg beaters. <coughs> God damn it. I got to get something. Hold on. The humidity is excessively low today, so it makes sense that we both have dry throat. And we've just been talking and talking. How much of this will we actually use? I got a high chew. Oh, good. No, go ahead and monologue. I was just saying that we've both been talking so much. The humidity is excessively low today in New York, and uh, it's no wonder. And of all the talking that we've been doing, my fondest hope is that we cut this shit down to like a, a tight 10. Shut up. This is a good episode. You shut up. I'm having a good time I with you. I want people to laugh. This is good. Okay. This is what review shows are. And I like talking with you. And I, I, I like talking with you. The end. This is a good episode. I'm having the time of my life. Are you right now? You seem mad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This is me having a good time. Okay. She adds the onions and mushrooms. The sauce should be thick enough to enrobe the Yes, beef. I wrote that enrobe down. Enrobe the beef. The beef. Mm. Yeah. Guess what? I could start to kind of taste this in a way or it's like, I want this. I want to make this mm-hmm. dish. I really, really do. She says you can cool and refrigerate right then. In the ice box, she says. A In the ice box. Anachronism. Love it. Now this is the 60s. I don't I don't know. I'm just confused. About what? Did most people have ice boxes or were, were we just calling freezers ice boxes? I think she meant the refrigerator. Or refrigerators. 
Yeah, refrigerators, ice boxes. Is this just what we yeah, call them? I think so. I think that was like they used to call the couch right. the Davenport. Yes. And the purse was a pocketbook. We used to call our, our couch the Davenport. Actually, the small couch. We called the Davenport. Um, she says, don't cover it before it's cool because it will turn sour. Yes. And then that will happen with a lot of chicken dishes. Yeah. You'll put the cover on when it's still too hot and it will turn sour. Lori, what is she talking about? I don't know the science behind it, but I can I can vouch for it. It's uh, you gotta you, you uh, I don't know what it is. I don't I can't I can't speak to the science, but it is true. You have to let things cool before you cover it. Will them. turn sour. What? I don't know. I kind of want to. Maybe it's. No, I'm excited to do it. Like, I won't do it because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it. But like, what kind of sourness would it be? Like, I think it's, I don't think it's like a Sour Patch Kid. I don't think it's like a, you know, a a glass of lime juice. But I think it just kind of, it's a little (laughs) off, you know. How interesting. I love that. All right, then you could you cover and simmer until everything is warm. Bring everything back. You're you're putting everything in at that point. The beef is the beef has gone in. It's great. You're at a great place. And and listen, you're done at that mm-hmm. point. And she, as I said a bit earlier, she kind of not makes fun, but does say you know if you're if you're the kind of person who's like oh I couldn't cook for four hours, uh, like that took no time at all. Mm-hmm. This is just it's just gonna be in the oven. You can do this. She then calls it a peasant dish. Yeah. Is that okay now? I feel like that's not okay now. I wouldn't it say struck it. I wouldn't me. say, oh, this is a peasant yeah, dish. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to say it's a peasant dish, but she was like, and peasants make rough, simple no. dishes or something where it was like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Mm, you could, <laughs> maybe tone that yeah, down. It's not great. Peasants, do we just mean people? Yeah. I don't know. Like, she does make a point that this is an oak cuisine when she's doing the flour and butter and mashing that together, yeah. but that this is the technique that, that you would use, uh, and it's a good technique. Uh, but then Peasant comes back at that point to be like, I don't know. I th- it just struck I think, me. I knew what she was saying, but I didn't I think like Peasant has only, like, in the last probably five years, started to tip over into, like, maybe that's a slur... You know, I really don't think in 1963 that there was anything wrong oh, no, with no, saying no. peasant. Oh, absolutely yeah, not. It, it rang a little and Now weird. it's like that's an othering that yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. it's like, eh, it's a class and I don't like it. Um, but then it's ready to serve. And she says, you you serve it with boiled potatoes with parsley. Doesn't tell you how to do that, that's but fine. boiled potatoes with parsley. Uh, and this is how they do, this is how they do it. And in, in France, uh, a salad with romaine. Yeah. I thought that felt nice as opposed to a romaine salad, but a salad with romaine. That felt an uplift. Then she kind of goes on a tear about French mm. bread. And it's going to be French bread because the recipe's from France. <laughs> she just wants you to know you're going to see some French yeah. bread. On every right? episode. Every time. Yeah. Every Dessert. time. It's going to be matter. French bread. We're making coffee. We're making French bread. <laughs> you're having French bread. Why? Because it's fucking France, people. Uh, then she does a lot of explanation about the red wine. Serve it with the red wine that you used in cooking. Uh, please don't use an expensive bottle. Use a young, full-bodied burgundy that's less expensive because it can stand up to the cooking and you won't lose all the, the refinement of, of a fancy, expensive bottle. Love that. Uh... Next time, 
French onion soup gratinée, I believe she says. Like, she really mm. leans into gratinée mm-hmm. in, a, in a fun way that makes you want to... It's mm-hmm. a party. That soup is a party, you have no doubt. And you're going to have a good time making it and eating it. Would you watch the next episode? Not that we're going to, but you saw this episode. Would you watch the next one? If I were me now in this yeah. time period? Yes. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I was pleasantly surprised, I have to say. I was. I, I didn't expect to uh, see so much solid technique. I didn't expect to learn so much. Uh, yeah. And I kept thinking about what cooking shows are now versus what they were then. And uh, yeah, it was great. I, I'm interested to see. And it also made me think, like, did people not know what French onion soup was in 1963? Very possibly not, know. right? Maybe um, not. Or they didn't know how to make it. Maybe they only thought you could buy it, you know, get it at a restaurant. Yeah, she's she's very she's very personable. And also, you know, very natural. I mean, this was this was her very first episode of of, of television yeah. show, and as good as she was, like you said, she monologued for for half an hour. She still had kind of a a roughness that I thought yeah. she might not make the cut if she were if she were somebody trying to get on TV now. Oh she no, she wouldn't way. make the cut. Nope. You know, which is really a nope. goddamn shame. Um, she closes the episode by saying, welcome to the French chef, which I mm-hmm. love. Like she's closing it out like, hey, this is you just saw what it is. Welcome. Love that. See you next next time. And her classic clothes, her signature clothes. This is Julia Child. Welcome to the French chef and see you next time. Bon appetit. Loved every single thing about it even when i hated it Lori. on the on um these episodes we're going to rate uh the series um that we watch with a unique thing so we're going to find something unique within this episode to grab onto and we're going to for this one really zero in on the that moment where she had the most fun mm. and where she truly came to life and it was when she said these wire whips are awfully useful <laughs> okay so okay. it's a, it's a, like, just look at like, this is five, five whips. Yeah. All right. For one to five whips. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like you to explain why you're rating it that okay. way. One being the worst five wire whips being yeah. the best. Where would you rate this? The overall episode. Overall episode. I don't know, man. I, I gotta give it a five. I think yeah. it really is and the absolute why? standard bearer for, for what cooking shows I wish what they still were if I watch them, which I don't. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to also rate it a five. She came in hot. She was cooking right when it started. You're coming into the action. You're seeing her go. Uh, She's not waiting for you. She's going to explain. She's not requiring that you catch. She's not leaving time in for you to catch up. Like folks, we got shit to do. We have a job to do, and we are going to do it today. I love that urgency in there. There are all kinds of things that I found appalling, and I've, I've talked about those, that that only makes me love her more. She's so good at what she's doing. And I, I felt exhausted by the end of the episode. Like, I just learned so much. She covered so much and so 
little mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Sure, she only cut, she made three different things, uh, which is pretty standard. Uh, I think if you follow what's happening today in in food cooking shows, three to four things is often what what we're what we're covering. So I really like that she's got that down, uh, and and setting that. But the amount of information she gives in developing those three different recipes uh, to create one whole thing was just. I walked away knowing something new and being inspired to go make what I had just watched. Mm-hmm. I think that's a five. Yeah. I also like that she's not thirsty, you know, like she's got not nothing to lose. She's got nothing to prove. She's like, listen, I had a fucking career. I lived in France. Me and my husband got yeah. plenty of money. We don't have kids. I don't need this. Yeah. I'm doing it because I, I want to. I was a CIA to. agent. Yeah. I was an assassin. I did all was these she things. she an assassin? I like no, to believe it. I, um, she wasn't. No. She wasn't. No, no. But you don't know that she wasn't. Sure, you can't prove that sure. she wasn't. Uh, yeah, she's not. She's not trying to. I, I will say that if she was, she's a little too old for this role. But if she was like the parent of one of my friends, I would be fucking terrified uh-huh. of her. I would stay away from her yeah. at all costs. And but if she were yeah. ever nice to me, I would never forget it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah, she's, you want to make her proud. Yeah, for sure. She seems like someone who could be very, very nice, but if you break one of her rules in the house, she's going to make you feel like an asshole. Yeah, I think if you do it out of a lack of respect, mm-hmm. right? If you're not respecting the job that we're mm-hmm. doing, if you make a mistake, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not respecting what's happening, yeah, then what are you doing? Right. Like, why? Why are you even trying? Come in here. Come ready to learn. Come ready to do the job. Like if she overheard me to. swearing and like with her kids or yeah. if something like that, I would be, I would, I would cry. I would. Do you know what I think she'd do though? Wash your goddamn I, I, mouth out with soap. I don't think no, so. She doesn't even I don't wash her hands. So. I th- she doesn't, she doesn't wash her beef hands. I think she would use something even more profane just to you, mm. right? Like she'd make eye contact with you as you saw her move. Like she'd lean in f- from the kitchen. She'd kind of lean back into the doorway and you're standing there and, uh, in, in the living room and she, she kind of make just eye contact with you and you would know she knew. And then as you left, uh, that day she would encourage you to come back like I can't wait to so glad you came over Lori uh, love having you here even when you're a Fucking blank asshole. right and then she then she well I think it'd be I think it'd be dirty I think it'd be dirty and cutting wow. and I don't know what it is because only she would but I think she'd let you know she can probably play harder than you ever could wow. and I love that okay I think the next episode we should do some like dirty Julia Child fanfic Lori, I love doing this with you. I know I make you so mad. Sometimes. sometimes. Um, and I guess that makes me feel great. Good, good. Um, all right, let's wrap this up because I okay. am hungry now. Wow. All right, well, go have some more Dave's Killer Bread. Yeah. Uh, if you choke on seeds, do let me know. Uh, text me. <laughs> and we'll talk next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey. Oh, oh, uh, be, let's get back to our, I really feel strongly about this. I want to close it out with our, with our benediction. Oh God, no, no. Okay. I'll <laughs> say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Okay. Everybody. Thank you for listening. Be kind. Do good. 
Is that it? Do good, be kind, be kind, do good. None of it matters because you ruin it with this ass eating. Be, 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 it's for the millennials. Uh, Be kind, do good, eat ass. See you next time. Bye-bye.